Hey guys, welcome to episode number four of the Egomaniac Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ego. Going to be talking about something a little different today, but we'll get to that in a second. This episode's a movie of the day, movie recommendation, whatever you want to call it, is 2017's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now, before I get into anything about this movie, I just want to say one thing. This movie's being marketed as like a dark comedy or, you know, people online are calling it that. And I've seen a lot of people, like, saying it's funny and all that shit. And that's fine. That's totally legit. If you get that reaction from this movie, totally fine. But in my opinion, this isn't a comedy at all. It, it has humorous parts throughout and funny lines or whatever. But this is not a comedic movie by any means. I don't think at all. I don't even think it can be considered a comedy as a subgenre at all. This is a drama through and through. That's my opinion, guys. Now... I just wanted to let you know that so you're not going in assuming you're going to be, you know, getting big time laughs throughout this movie. So it was written and directed by Martin McDonough, who did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, starring Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, uh, Woody Harrelson, all of which were nominated for Oscars this year. Francis and uh, Sam won. Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell won, rather. I don't know them personally. Um, Now let's talk about Francis McDormand for a second. We'll get into Sam Rockwell in a minute. Her performance was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. She totally deserved to win, and she did. Um, The thing about this performance is it's exactly what the character called for. This movie could not have been casted better, in my opinion. Um, She's just an exhausted mother. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything about this movie because you have to see it if you haven't. It's so good. Um, She's just an exhausted mother who wants answers. You know, She's at the end of her rope. She's at her fucking wit's end. She's so frustrated and it comes through in the performance and she does exactly what she thinks needs to be done to get the answers she's looking for. And at times she might seem one-dimensional. She might seem angry. She might seem mean. But there are so many little subtle scenes throughout the movie that, you know, relay her compassion um, for the people she's dealing with, especially the people she's given a hard time, mainly the police. She really does have compassion for these people. She's just tired. She's wore out. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, it might be one of the best performances I've ever seen. Ever. You know, I'm not saying right now definitively that it is, but it's it's got it's worth an argument for sure. It is unbelievable. Sam Rockwell is amazing. I'll say that right off the bat. I'm biased because I think he's so underrated. I can't say that now because he's won an Oscar, but my favorite actor in Hollywood by far. No one even comes close. I think he's amazing um and the thing i love about him in this movie is i don't think anyone else could have done it i think he's the only one who could have done this um you know and and again without spoiling anything the drastic shift that his character has in the movie anyone else could have done this it wouldn't have worked it would have been it would have been silly people wouldn't have believed it the journey he has from point a to point b and and, you know this movie does what so many movies fail where so many movies fail. And it's Sam Rockwell as well. He's, he's you know, he at the beginning of the movie, you might think he's a bad guy. But this movie explores why. Why is he a bad guy? Why is he the way he is? You know? And it lets you know, and it doesn't shove it down your throat. It lets you know in very subtle cues, very subtle... Uh, areas of his performance very subtle lines in the dialogue it's um you know it's 
it's not really a slow burn this movie you could call it a slow burn but it, it isn't really because a lot of shit happens throughout the movie that's uh you know it keeps the movie going forward at a fairly quick pace actually it's a fairly well-paced movie it's two hours um roughly two hours i think it might be a little less but yeah guys sam rockwell i mean i feel like i sound pretentious saying things like you know he really portrays the inner struggles of the character things like that but he really does it comes across in the performance you can tell there's more to this guy than than uh, meets the eye and there is he's it's just so good he totally deserved the oscar um, I was hoping this movie would win Best Picture. Congratulations to Guillermo and Shape of Water. Guillermo del Toro is the coolest guy ever. But, you know, I, I was really hoping this movie would win. It's so good. There's a lot of other great performances in this movie, too. Peter Dinklage is in this movie, and he's really good. He's not in it for a long, for a lot. Like, he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but he's really good in it. Um, but the two other standouts, other than the three, you know, Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, and Woody Harrelson, and... Sorry, guys, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Woody Harrelson is phenomenal in this movie, too. Um, I think he would have been an argument to win the Oscar over Sam Rockwell, but I'm glad Sam Rockwell won for sure. Um, But Woody Harrelson's performance is, you know, it's amazing. But like I said, the other two standouts in this movie, minor characters, uh, but they're Caleb Landry Jones, who was in Get Out and American Made. Both came out last year. And, you know, he plays a greasy douche in both of them. He's kind of a prick. He's really easy to hate in both those movies. Um, But that's what the character called for, and he did a good job at that. I did hate him in both those movies, but in this movie, he's a lot more likable. Really, really good. Uh, Really down-to-earth. Like, this is a movie about normal people. It's, It's really interesting. But the standout in this movie for the minor characters, to me, was John Hawks, who plays Francis McDormand's character's ex-husband. Now, John Hawks is one of those guys, if you look him up, you've probably seen him in a million things. He was in Eastbound and Down. He played Kenny Powers' brother. Um, He's in a lot of shit, but no one knows his name. He's one of those guys, or I don't know his name, at least. I do now. Um, and, And it's unfortunate because he should be a household name. The guy's brilliant, especially in this movie. He's so good. So good. Now... The only flaw I have with this movie is the first time I watched it, I thought the performance by Samara Weaving was, it felt out of place. Felt a little out of place, but good news, after a second time watching it, uh, I thought it actually worked really well. She was good comedic relief in some tense moments, um, and, and you know, I thought it was actually really well, really well done. Um, the only other thing I've seen Samara Weaving in is Netflix, the Netflix original, The Babysitter, that horror movie. It was okay. It wasn't great. It was kind of fun. It, it did what it was supposed to, kind of a B-movie type thing. Um, but yeah, upon second viewing, I thought she actually did a really good job. So that's good news. Not even a flaw. Uh, this movie definitely made its way into my top 25 favorite films of all time. If I had to make that list right now, this movie would be on it for sure. Uh, and I'll go so far as to say it's a modern classic, guys. You you have to see this movie if you haven't. I, it really resonated with me for some reason. I bought it last Tuesday when it came out on Blu-ray. And by Wednesday night, I had already watched it three times. It's so, so good and really well-paced. And, you know, every time you watch it, it seems shorter and shorter because the, the story just progresses so fast. It's really, really good. I, it, it's amazing how many things happen within that two-hour movie. Brilliant, brilliant movie. So that's my movie recommendation today, guys. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. If you haven't seen it, go see it and tell me what you thought. Now, today's topic, I've been thinking about it for a while, and 
it's a list that I wish I had looked at before I started my adventure into classic films. Which brings me to my list. Um, you know, I admire guys like Spielberg, Scorsese, all those guys. All the great directors. And when they talk about their favorite movies and the movies that influence them, they're never like from 2007. You know, they're never movies that came out in 96. They're always pre-1970, if not pre 19 50 even 40 you know they're very very old movies so i thought you know what i need to watch these i need to watch these movies that have influenced my heroes and this is what brought me to my list these are starter classic movies beginner classic movies i don't really know how to word it perfectly but these are classic movies that i think you should start with before you delve really deep into the genre um I've got some honorable mentions, and the honorable mentions are there because I think they're fairly obvious, two of them at least, and one of them I think you might need just a tad bit of warming up to before before you get to that one. So by, um, I ordered this list, by the way, very simply. This isn't a top 10 list. These are ordered from newest to oldest. And I cheated because there's a movie from 1973 I wanted on the list. So these are, these are classic movies from, I guess, pre-1975. Because I wanted to focus on the older stuff. Of course, Jaws is a classic. E.T. is a classic. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But we're talking really old movies that, you know, a lot of people haven't seen. Of our of my age group, at least. I'm 25, so, you know. I mean, a lot of people haven't seen these movies. And first things first, if you're frightened of a movie because it's black and white, really, color doesn't add a whole heap to the story. I'll tell you that. You know, black and white movies are... The great ones are still great. Um... They hold up just fine. So let me get into my honorable mentions, guys. The first one is 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, directed by Mel Stewart, starring Gene Wilder, performance of a lifetime. Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka. I don't really like the fact that they're revisiting it um, because there is no other Willy Wonka. It's it's Gene Wilder. Johnny Depp failed miserably. It's not his fault, but it, 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 come on. Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka, and that's the way it is, guys. Um but yeah, good movie. Fun movie. I love this movie. I've loved it since I was a kid. Uh, you know, it's got some creepy elements in there. It's kind of a horror movie for kids. But uh, yeah, good movie. And like I said, most people have seen this movie, so it's a bit obvious. But yeah, honorable mention, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. My next one is Mary Poppins, 1964. Uh, Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke. Great movie. Great movie. It has aged, but it you know, it was from 1964. I'll forgive it. Uh, really fun movie, but kind of for kids. And again, a lot of people have seen Mary Poppins already. So that's my second honorable mention. Great movie, but you know, kind of obvious. My third honorable mention, and this is the one that bear that just didn't make the list because, uh, I, I, you know, it could have, but I think, I think you might need a tiny bit of warming up to this movie, but it is really, really good. There's one scene that feels out of place. Um, but other than that, very, very good movie. And that's 1946's Gilda. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the movie Gilda, you've probably seen the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I'm assuming you have. You're listening to an Only Movies podcast. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the Shawshank Redemption. But the movie that the prisoners are watching in the theater, in the prison, in the Shawshank Redemption, when uh, they all go crazy when the lady flips up her hair and says, who, me? That's Gilda. That's Rita Hayworth in Gilda, and then Andy Dufresne asks Red to get a poster of Rita Hayworth. Or he asks for Rita Hayworth, and Red gets him the poster. That's Gilda, and it's starring Rita Hayworth. It's a femme fatale movie. It's really, really good. Um, 
Rita Hayworth is brilliant in it, and, you know, a really, really good movie. Now, the one thing you will notice about classic movies if you start to get into them, this is what I've noticed at least, be prepared to hear the, your characters' names a whole lot because they're said at the beginning of almost every sentence. You know, like, uh, for instance, Johnny, I love you. Johnny, There, it's always. And, and there's usually a guy named Johnny in the movie, to be honest, but... Uh, that's what I've noticed about classic movies is they always say the character's name a million times, which is fine. But these are this is a different style of storytelling, a different style of filmmaking. But if you watch it in this order, I think, not necessarily in this order, but if you start with these movies, I think you'll appreciate it more so if you start with the stuff that's more art housey. Um, so yeah, guys, that's my those are my honorable mentions. Now let's get into the list. The first one on my list is 1973's the Sting. And like I said, these are newest to oldest. This is the one I cheated on because I thought I really thought this should be on my list. I really wanted it to be. It's directed by George Roy Hill, starring Robert Redford, Paul Newman, Robert Shaw. This movie won seven Oscars, including Best Picture. And the reason I really wanted it on this list is because it takes place in the 1930s Chicago. But other than the fact that it's shot in color... It really feels like it could have been made in that era. It really feels like a movie that could have been made in the 30s or 40s. Uh, they captured it perfectly. The, any, you know, the music is like all piano rags. If you hear the music, you'll you'll recognize it immediately, just because it's those piano rags are so recognizable and cool. The script is, you know, the dialogue's really old timey. They captured this the 1930s really well. I think. I don't know. I I wasn't around the 1930s. I could be wrong. But just the twists and turns and stuff, this is, I don't really know how to describe this movie. I guess it's kind of a crime, comedy, drama, really, really good. Robert Redford's phenomenal. Paul Newman's amazing. Paul Newman's amazing in everything. That guy, you know, he he was so good. But Robert Shaw, who we know from Jaws, we talked about him last episode, or the episode before that, rather. Um, we've talked about him. Such a good villain. Such a good villain. He's got this line. He's like an Irish mobster in this movie, and he's got this line. He'll give someone an order, and then he'll go, you falla? Like, just as if to say, do you fucking understand what I'm saying to you? You know, like, it's just, it's scary. It's a scary little line, you falla. And it's, he's really, really cool. So, yeah, guys, 1973's this thing. This would be a good starter, I think, uh, as far as this list goes. This, would, this isn't a bad classic movie to start with. Uh, really, really good movie, guys. The Sting, 1973. Check it out if you haven't seen it. The next one on my list, really good starter Western, and that's 1969's True Grit, directed by Henry Hathaway, um, starring John Wayne. John Wayne won the Oscar for this movie. Kim Darby, Glenn Campbell as LaBeef. Kim Darby plays uh, uh, Maddie Ross, and she's uh, she's organizing a revenge trip uh, for someone who killed her father. And that, that brings me to a, a little discussion I want to bring up. Kim Darby in this movie plays Maddie Ross, like I said, who's organizing these uh, Rooster Cogburn, played by John Wayne, who's like uh, kind of a bounty hunter type type guy. He's a sheriff or some such. I haven't seen the movie for a while, but, you know, we're, we're pushing in today's Hollywood. We're pushing for strong female characters all the time, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm fine with that because I think it... It develops good uh, new stories, new interesting stories when it's done well. I mean, just like any other movie, when it's done shit, it sucks. But, um, you know, I, I don't think these classic movies get nearly enough credit for their strong female characters. I mean, Kim Darby in this movie, this movie's from 1969. 
And she plays a fucking kid. She's a kid in this movie. 14 years old or something like that. And she's the hero of the movie, essentially. I mean, yeah, Rooster Cogburn is, you know, he's, he's the man, the burly man character in this movie. But she's the one, who, she doesn't take any shit from John Wayne's Rooster Cogburn or Glenn Campbell's character Labeef. She doesn't take shit from either of them. And she's the one, she's the reason they're out in the wilderness hunting this guy. She's a strong female character. And this movie came out in 1969. And she was 14 in the movie. You know, I, I, I'm fine with this Hollywood movement of we need more strong female characters. That's fine. But let's not ignore the fact that they have existed before. You know, this isn't a new thing. The, there, there were movies with strong female characters. There were a lot of them. In fact, pretty much every movie on this list has a strong female character in them. Not necessarily the lead, but definitely a strong female character. But yeah, guys, sorry, I went on a little tangent there. It's a really good revenge movie. It's a really good starter western, in my opinion, because it's very lighthearted. Um, I would start with this one rather than jump right into, like, Sergio Leone stuff. Like, you know, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Great movies. Um, but maybe start with this if you, if you haven't watched any classic movies, especially westerns. Really good starter western, guys. True Grit. Great movie. A lot of, lot of fun to be had in that movie. So, yeah. The next on my list is 1961's The Hustler. Directed by Robert Rawson. Um, starring Paul Newman, Piper Laurie, another strong female character, uh, Jackie Gleason, George C. Scott. It's a, it's a movie about a pool hustler. And it's just a classic story. It's about a guy who will give up everything to be the best. You know? And really, really good movie. Really believable. And I, I think the fact that Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason both were amazing at pool... Jackie Gleason, naturally, I think he was before he was even cast in the movie. He was really good at pool. But Paul Newman, I guess, spent hours. Of, uh, so the story goes, he removed his dining room table from his house and put a pool table in so he could practice every waking hour. I don't know if it's true. I, you know, I read it. Um, but it shows in the movie. You can tell these are these are guys who are really enjoying themselves and really into the sport or game or whatever you want to call it. Really good. But it is a fairly dark movie. This is a fairly dark movie, so be advised. Um, the Color of Money, directed by Martin Scorsese, is the sequel to this movie. It was made 25 years later, quite a while, but I think Paul Newman is one of the few people nominated for an Academy Award for playing the same character twice. He was nominated twice for playing the same character, Fast Eddie Felson. I don't want to spoil anything for any of these movies, so I, I can't. I'm not going to delve deep into the story, but. Watch this movie. It's it's really good. Like I said, fairly dark, so be aware. It's not a happy-go-lucky comedy, but uh, really good. Really good performances across the board, especially Piper Laurie. She's amazing in this movie. So yeah, The Hustler, guys, 1961. Check it out. 1960 brought us Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh, Vera Miles, John Gavin. And the, the interesting thing about this movie is it covers so many genres. You know, it's a horror, it's a mystery, it's a thriller. Um, really great performances across the board. Anthony Perkins is unbelievable as Norman Bates. Janet Lee's really good. I actually really like Vera Miles in this movie. Now, she doesn't play a huge part, but she's really good. She sold the terror really well, I thought. Um, now, allegedly, her and Alfred Hitchcock had some problems. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's how the story goes. Now, Bates Motel is based off this movie, and, and it's a great series, but if you've seen that series, 
some of this movie will be spoiled for you. You you will know some of the things that are going on. It's inevitable. Um, so if you, if you can, watch Psycho first and then watch Bates Motel. This movie is so unpredictable, like I said, unless you've seen Bates Motel. It's truly real suspense. You can feel the suspense. And I'll get into Alfred Hitchcock uh, in, a, in a second in the next movie I list. But, um, you know, really, really good movie and really scary movie. It's a truly scary movie, and it's and it holds up. It stands the test of time. Um, you know, this movie came out in 1960. It's it's great, phenomenal movie. And if you like it, watch 2012's Hitchcock. It's directed by Sacha Gervaisi, and it chronicles the making of this movie. A lot of interesting shit in there, and it's a really good movie too. I like Hitchcock the movie. It, you know, mixed reviews, but I liked it. But yeah, guys, Psycho. Check out Psycho. Now. The next movie on my list is 1954's Rear Window, also directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Now, I'm going to go into Hitchcock for a second. In my opinion, I'm by no means a Hitchcock connoisseur. But in my opinion, if you're not into classic movies, especially Hitchcock, but you're looking to get into them, start with these two. Start with Psycho. Start with Rear Window. Because there are certain Hitchcock movies, personally, that's the way I feel, if you start with them, you might kind of be off a little bit. You might not be huge on Hitchcock, and you might not want to watch other movies. These are his most accessible, in my opinion. Maybe North by Northwest, but these ones are his most accessible. And if you like them, then then go into The Birds, which is also a good movie. Then go into, you know, North by Northwest, and then Vertigo. I wouldn't start with Vertigo, but that's just my opinion, guys. Sorry I went off on a little tangent. Like I said, this is directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Jimmy Stewart, Grace Kelly. Now, the set design is unreal on this movie. They built an entire neighborhood on a soundstage. And when you see it, I mean, it really is incredible to see on screen. It's it's unbelievable. And every character in this movie has a story, even the ones that have no dialogue. That's what Hitchcock was good at, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Like I said, I'm not a fucking Hitchcock expert by any means, or a movie expert for that matter, but... He he was truly a master at visual storytelling. He didn't need lots of exposition or dialogue or anything to tell a story. Really, really talented director. And it, th- that's the interesting thing about this movie, you know, in the script. The protagonist is doing something that's, like, revolting, you know? What it is is Jimmy Stewart is... Uh, the, the, Disturbia was a modern reimagining of this movie, okay? So if you like Disturbia, watch this movie. It's a far superior film in my in my opinion, but... What, what what our protagonist, Jimmy Stewart, is doing is he's spying on everyone in his neighborhood through a camera lens or binoculars. You know, essentially he's a peeping Tom. But yet he's our hero and we're cheering for him. Um, and that's the interesting thing in this movie. I mean, not only is it none of his business, but he's uh, doing something that's kind of incredibly, incredibly revolting, really. So that's interesting, you know. It's interesting to see that point of view. Um, he's not a bad guy. I think he's just coming from the character's point of view as he's very bored, really. But, uh, yeah, guys, if you haven't seen Rear Window, check it out. I mean, like I said, the set design is the real star in this movie, in my opinion. The the neighborhood is a character. It's really, really interesting. Good movie. But, like I said, watch Psycho, then watch Rear Window, and if you like those two, then go deeper into Hitchcock's catalog because he, he really was a visionary, for sure. And he, he's... He's inspired so many directors, you know, like every, every famous director mentions Hitchcock and their favorites, every one of them pretty much. So 
yeah, guys, for sure check these two movies out. Now, 1952 brought us the movie Singing in the Rain. It's directed by Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly, starring Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor. Now, this movie has a great premise. It's a musical about a silent film production company during the time period that talking films were becoming the new norm, you know, which I find really interesting because that had to have happened. This has to be based on reality. I mean, all these all these companies were making silent films, and then all of a sudden a talking film comes out. You know, that had to have happened. And it's such a drastic difference in the two that a, a lot of silent film production companies must have been shitting themselves when the, when this happened, you know? Like that and that's just that's a funny concept to me. And Debbie Reynolds, who apparently hadn't really danced especially in this capacity before, uh, it's craziness because she keeps up. She totally fits in with Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. Gene Kelly, arguably the best dancer of all time. Not, not the best actor of all time, but the best dancer. Like he, this guy was amazing. So was Donald O'Connor. Uh, he actually deserves more credit for this movie than he gets. But, uh, she was once quoted saying making this movie and childbirth were the two hardest things she'd ever done. So, you know, apparently Gene Kelly was a bit of a tyrant. That's not coming from her mouth. That's coming from uh, the other star of the movie, Donald O'Connor. But yeah, I mean, Debbie Reynolds is amazing in this movie. So good. Uh, now, there's one song and dance number in this movie. I just want to go off a little bit. It's an interesting story, but there's one song and dance number in this movie called Make Them Laugh. And if you haven't seen it, check it out on uh, YouTube after you hear this story. It's really it's really cool. Uh song and dance number but it's performed by donald o'connor and at the time so the story goes again i wasn't there but he smoked four packs a day i guess he smoked four packs of cigs a day and apparently after he did the number now this thing is it's four minutes long and like i said watch it because there is he's doing fucking backflips off walls it's insanity like at the best shape in my life i couldn't have done half of this you know, not only do I not have the ability to do any of this stuff, but I didn't have the, you know, the cardio to do this at all. Not even close. It's amazing what he does. But apparently, like I said, he smoked four packs a day. And after he did the number, because there's no cuts in it, he had to be hospitalized for three days. And when he came back to set, they told him the lens was out of focus and he had to do it again. <laughs> just if you watch it, like the thought of doing this fucking thing twice is just insanity. But really really cool um and and, you know this brings me into a point and i hear a lot of people talk about musicals now i'm very new to musicals very very new i have only seen a handful of musicals and this one's by far my favorite but you know i hear a lot of people say they don't like musicals because certain aspects of the movie it's like well that you know that, that part wasn't believable that part didn't seem real you know of course it didn't in real life, groups of people don't start singing and dancing out of nowhere and knowing each other, each other's moves. They don't know the choreography. Perfect strangers, you know? Of course, it's not fully believable. They're fantasy movies, and that's my point. Musicals are fantasies, you know? They're, they're not real. They can't be real, you know? And that, that's just my opinion, guys. I mean... It just bothers me when people say that, like, oh, that that wasn't believable. You know, that that couldn't happen. Fuck, do you think? Do you think so? You know, Steve Martin from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Do you think so? 
you know, of course it can't happen. But anyway, yeah, like I said, musicals are fantasies. That's my point, guys. You can't take them over-the-top serious because they're meant to be fun. They're meant to be fantasy movies, and they are, and this one is no exception. A lot of the sequences in this movies are very fantastical, you know. Um, and that brings me to my final point of the movie is, like, the modern musicals that you see, I don't know if there's a one that wasn't inspired by this movie. La La Land is big time inspired by this movie. That's what I see, at least. I would say Damien Chazelle, the director of La La Land, was huge into this movie when he was younger because you really see it, even in sequences, especially the last sequence of La La Land um, when they're in the bar. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but uh, yeah, it, that, that part is big time inspired by Singing in the Rain. So yeah, Singing in the Rain, guys, if you're looking to get into musicals, definitely check this one out. In my opinion, this is probably the one that really got the ball rolling as far as musicals go. I'm sure there was musicals made before 1952, but this is the most popular. It's my favorite. Check it out if you haven't seen it, guys. 1952, Singing in the Rain. Now, my next one on my list is 1950s Harvey, directed by Henry Coster, starring James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, the man. Um, now, I'll probably do an episode on Jimmy Stewart at some point because he's just like the most interesting guy in the in the world. So I'm not going to get into that too much, but also starring Josephine Hull. This is a star- story of a middle-aged man whose best friend is an invisible six-foot-tall rabbit. <laughs> so it's a fantasy comedy, but it's very grounded. Uh, Jimmy Stewart stars as Elwood P. Dowd, and you can't help but love this guy. And, and you know, it, it's hard not to love Jimmy Stewart anyway because the guy is just crazy good and likable. Um, he's the everyman. He's just a cool guy. And, you know, he, El, Elwood is just a guy who's trying to make everyone around him happier. And he does. He's just, he's brilliant. Josephine Hall plays Elwood's older sister, Vita. She won the Oscar for this role. And she's great, but she'll, she's enough to drive you mad at times, and she's supposed to, um, because she's given Elwood such a hard time, you know. But Elwood's not hurting anybody. He's just a, he, he's just a guy, like I said, who's trying to make make life life around him easier for everyone around him. And, and it, it's a very lighthearted, feel good movie. It's funny. Uh, it's a really good fantasy movie. And it's strangely believable i know how silly it sounds like a a middle-aged man whose best friend is a six foot tall rabbit but it really is a great movie so watch that guys 1950s harvey if you haven't seen it it's a must for classic movies and it's a really good starter classic movie too because it's it's a good warm-up movie because it's very lighthearted, like i said and it is a it's a lot of fun which brings me to my next movie 1946's it's a wonderful life directed by frank capra starring jimmy stewart donna reed Really good movie. Now, this is a holiday classic, but this movie can be watched any time of year. I mean, really, if you watch this movie, you got to realize that a good portion of it takes place not at Christmas time. Um, it kind of chronicles the life of George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, um, leading up to a very big moment in his life uh, in which he needs help. And it's, it's as simple as that. He, he just needs some help. He's a really relatable character. He, he just wants to get out of this small town that he's been stuck in his whole life. But just every time he's this close, you know, inches away from escape, escaping this town in this life, just things keep coming up that make him unable to do so. And, and you know, we've all had that feeling. It's, you know, you, you feel for him because he, he cares about everyone. He's a really he's a really good-hearted guy. He cares about this town, but he still wants to get out nonetheless. It's kind of a slow burn. And, and that brings me to a point with these classic movies, guys. 
it's a lot of buildup, I find, with classic movies. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, I'm sure someone will disagree with me, but it's a whole lot of buildup and then a payoff. And this movie, uh, to be honest, the first time I watched it, and a lot of these movies you need second viewings, I did at least, the first time I watched it, you know, I had gotten through an hour of it and I was starting to go, okay, I, I don't really get the hype. But then once the credits rolled, I was like, okay, I get it. I definitely get it. I totally get it. And the second time I watched it, I really got it the whole way through. It's it's a character's journey through life and it, it's very, very cool. Uh, really good movie. And it is a holiday classic, guys. Um, if you don't want to watch it right away, definitely watch it at the holidays because it, it's... It's a really good movie. It's so good. It's so down to earth. Um, Jimmy Stewart's the man. That's all I can say, guys. 1946's It's a Wonderful Life. You have to see it. It's 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 an it's necessary viewing for the movie lover. Which brings me to 1944, and that's Double Indemnity. Now, before I get in, into anything about this movie, if you're to watch, if you're to choose one movie on this list to start out the classic movies, do, choose this one. In my opinion, it's directed by Billy Wilder, starring Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. It's like an insurance scam murder drama. It's classic film noir. Um, And again, strong female character in Barbara Stanwyck. And she is the lead. Uh, And, you know, maybe doesn't get referenced enough in today when we're when we're discussing strong female characters, because she's the mastermind behind all this stuff. And, uh, you know, she's a she's seductive and she's, you know, she's sexy and she's a badass. She's a total badass. And it's an amazing performance. She was nominated, but didn't win. Uh, Fred McMurray's great too. Um, really good movie guys. I I don't, I really don't want to spoil any of this movie for you because it's a must see. It's really, really good. 1944's double indemnity. And like I said, if you can pick one movie on this list to start out with, pick this one because it, it's totally it's total necessary viewing for someone who wants to get into classic films. Um just great. And Billy Wilder's a legend. Like he's he's directed some of the biggest movies, classic movies of all time like Sunset Boulevard, you know. He, he's a legend. And I haven't seen a lot of his movies to be honest, in full disclosure. I haven't seen a ton of classic movies, but um I'm I'm getting there, you know. It's a slow journey. Let's go on this journey together, guys. Let's have some fun. Uh but yeah, Double Indemnity, you have to see this movie. It, it's really, really good. And again, that that brings up my point big time as to you're going to hear the character's name a lot. Fred McMurray plays Walter, and you're going to hear that name a shit ton. Walter, what are you doing? Walter, Walter. It's it, it's That's just a classic movie thing, and, and I dig that. That's one of the things actually I dig about them. I don't want them to be the same as uh, movies are today. So yeah, guys, Double Indemnity, check it out. Brings me to 1941. Now... A lot of people call this the best movie ever made. Um, it's, In my opinion, it's not the best movie ever made, but we all have different tastes. But I can acknowledge that it's certainly worth an argument, and that is Citizen Kane. Directed by Orson Welles, starring Orson Welles, Joseph Cotton, Agnes Moorhead, so many people. You know, as a movie fan, you hear this movie brought up all the time. You, you hear it brought up as the greatest movie of all time, you know, in... in more people than not call it the greatest movie ever made. It won one Oscar, a writing Oscar, and that's it, which is shocking to me. Um, it's a story of Charles Foster Kane, an extremely wealthy man, a pub, uh, you know, a publicity tycoon or some such. 
And he uh, he dies at the very beginning of the movie. Spoiler alert. It's, it's not really a spoiler alert. It happens at the very beginning of the movie. And his last words don't make sense to anyone. They're a mystery. So the rest of the movie chronicles his life as reporters search for the meaning of these words that he said on his deathbed, which is Rosebud. I'm sure you guys have heard that reference in several other movies. Rosebud, you know. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what it means. But again, it came out in 1941, so there's not a whole heap of spoilers going on. Um, I, I think the Statue of Limitations has been up for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure this wasn't the first movie that started at the end of the movie. But I can imagine this is the one that made that way of storytelling kind of famous. You know, because this movie is this movie's fucking huge. This is a favorite among so many filmmakers. And, and for good reason. It is brilliant. Great performances across the board. But Orson Welles especially, I mean, everything about this guy was powerful. Not just because he was a big man. Just, I can imagine he was such a presence, you know, in a room. Like, this guy, you know, he was buddies with Hemingway, apparently, and he stood up to Hemingway. And allegedly, Hemingway always wanted to fucking fight everyone. He sounded like a douche to me, but, um, you know, or he liked Orson Welles because Orson Welles didn't take any shit from him, which is pretty badass. Uh, just watch, go on YouTube, I'm sure it's on there. Watch Orson Welles at the Roast of Jimmy Stewart. One of those old D- Dean Martin roasts of Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, everyone's busting his balls. Everyone's making fun of him. You got your legends, Don Rickles, you know, um, uh, all those guys. And uh, Milton Berle, you know, Red Buttons. All those legendary comedians making fun of Jimmy Stewart. And then Orson, George Burns. Yeah, that's another one. If you want to watch a Jimmy Stewart roast, got to check out George Burns. No one's as smooth as that guy. He's the coolest. Sucking on a cigar. That guy's a badass. But, yeah, anyway... I went off on a little bit of a rant there. Check out the roast of Jimmy Stewart, Orson Welles. All these guys make fun of Jimmy Stewart, and then Orson Welles comes up, and he just, like, silences the crowd. <laughs> Everyone's like, wow. Like, just his voice, everything. He was a powerful, powerful man. And uh, really cool to watch, you know? Like, I really respect all these guys. And I think one of the things that got me into all these old movies is those roasts because these guys are so fucking talented. It's insanity. It's just crazy how talented these guys are and interesting, you know, like, like I said, I think I'm going to do, uh, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. Legends of the silver screen or some such like that, but I'm going to do, I'm going to chronicle the entire career of certain actors and actresses. And I think one of the ones that I'm going to have to do is Jimmy Stewart because that guy is so interesting. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, like I said, Citizen Kane, you have to see this movie. It's so good. Um, you know, again, known as one of the best movies of all time. A lot of these movies are known known as the best movies of all time. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're all on the AFI list, which is the best American movies made of all time. Harvey might not be. I'm not 100% sure, but they're, uh, most of them are on it, is my point. Now, that's my list, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check out these movies if you want to get into classic movies. Uh, let me know what you think of them when you see them. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Egomaniac Movies. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, subscribe, like, rate, review. Do whatever you have to. Likes and reviews help for sure. Subscriptions do too. They all help. But do whatever you have to. It doesn't matter to me as long as you listen. I really appreciate it. Uh, so take care, guys. And remember, shampoo is better. Shampoo is better.